We're in Matthew chapter number 27 here. <clears throat> we'll read the first 10 verses. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 1. And when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repeated, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. The chief priests took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it's the price of blood. They took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. This has to be among the saddest passages of Scripture in the Bible. Judas, who has walked with the Lord for three, over three years decides that he can make a profit on the Lord. Try to get your mind to wrap around that. And he goes to the chief priest and says, I will make a deal with you. Now the Bible doesn't tell us the bartering that went on between the chief priests and Judas. But you can kind of imagine as they're trying to hammer out what money, because that's what Judas asked, what will you give me if I betray him? And so I don't know if there were some lowball offers and back and forth, and they worked out this payment. The payment is 30 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know how they came to that number, whether accidental or intentional, but the price is set at what Exodus chapter number thir uh, 21, verse 32 sets. If you had an ox that killed someone unintentionally, the ox was mean and it pushed and it, you didn't know he was that kind of an oxen and he killed a servant, then you had to pay 30 pieces of silver for the death of that servant. I don't know if that's what they decided. This was not an accidental death that they were proposing here. This was premeditated murder is what this was. And I don't know if they were trying to kind of smooth their own little conscience by saying, oh, see, we're paying uh, what's going to be required here because the Old Testament law requires that we pay 30 pieces of silver. I don't know if that's what they were doing. That's, that's how they came up with the numbers. But when the deed is all said and done and the mock trial is finished, Judas evidently did not know how this was all going to go. And he realizes after this trial is done with the chief priests that Jesus Christ is going to be put to death. He had walked with the Lord for three years. There was no question in his mind as to the innocence of the Lord. And he didn't figure that things were going to go this far. He figured the Lord might get into trouble and he'd be able to make a little money off of him and all said and done. But he did not realize that the Lord was going to be put to death. 
as a side note, sin always goes farther than you figure. It never just stays within the confines of what you think, but sin always goes farther than you figured. So Judas rushes back to the chief priest with the money. He's wanting to undo what he has done. As another side note, it doesn't work that way. You cannot, as our old forefather used to say, you cannot unring the bell. You can't just go back and say, oops, I made a mistake here. It doesn't work that way. Once sin is started, it's started, and you cannot unring the bell. The chief priests who had been his partners in crime in this deal have no mercy on him or no pity on him at this moment. What is that to us? You did this deed yourself. What is that to us? Take care of it. You're on your own self is what they said. Isn't this how it always works? You may sin as a group, but the consequences will be paid alone. It's just the way that it works. And here Judas, with his partners in crime, leave him to pay for this on his own. Now the chief priests and rulers who are supposed to uphold the law are totally indifferent to him. They're, they have decided on the outcome and are totally oblivious to everything else. You know, sin has a way of doing that. It gets you to set your goal, to set the prize that you're after. And then it takes you down a road that you never dreamed that you would travel. Their point was to get rid of the Lord. They were a little envious of him. And here they are, supposedly upholding, supposed to be the guardians of the law, and they are contemplating and plotting the murder of an innocent man, someone they know to be innocent. Now Judas, who above all things loves money, you've got to keep your mind on that. He Above the Lord Jesus, I mean he's been with the Lord for three years, above all things he loves money. And he brings the money back. And when he finds he cannot give the money back, he finds also that he cannot keep it. And so what does he do? He throws it down on the ground. He finds no satisfaction in the promised prize of his sin, which is another lesson that has been learned billions of times on this planet. The consequences of sin never satisfies. Mark it down. It's been learned a billion billions of times on this planet. The consequences of sin never satisfies. Satisfied. So Judas throws the money down, and what does he do? He goes out and hangs himself. Now, contemplate. Put, your, put yourself in Judas's position. You love money above all things, and you figure out a way to make 30 pieces of silver. I don't know what that actually translates into, in, into our days, but he's going to have in his mind, remember, they've been living hand to mouth for the last three years uh, they've been the Lord didn't even have a pillow to lay his head on and so they've been this is that's a lot of money in his thinking now as he goes to bed at night contemplating the betrayal what is he thinking about with this money can you put yourself in his position can you not see him spending the money 
Can, he not, can you not put yourself thinking, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to buy, this is how good life is going to be. As he's plotting this portrayal of the Lord and getting this money, can you not put yourself in his position on all the wonderful things that he's going to do with this cash? Do you believe that in any of those dreams, that he's, as he's daydreaming, that, he, that he's thinking, you know, when I get this money, I'm going to go out and kill myself. This is the farthest thing from his mind. His mind is how wonderful this is going to be, how marvelous this is all going to be, how happy he's going to be, and what he actually gets. He ha- you know, he was not murdered for that money. It wasn't so much money that somebody came up and murdered him for this 30 pieces of silver. He murdered himself. Why? Because the consequences of sin are never what they promise, and they never satisfy. His sin was so wonderful that his end result was, I think I'll just go out and kill myself instead of keep the money. Which is something we need to keep in mind. Now the chief priests take that money. Can you imagine him picking him up off the ground? What are you going to do with this money? This is now blood money twice told. It it is the blood money, the blood of the Lord Jesus. It's also the blood money of Judas Iscariot's life is also in this money. And the chief priests get spiritual again. We can't put this money back in the treasury. The, The law does not allow this. I don't know where they were thinking when the law, when they're premeditating murder, but the law does not allow us to put this blood money back in the treasury. So in an act of their scruples, they go out and they buy a field where they can bury strangers in, poor people, in a, a, a poor man's burial ground. Now when you work through this really sad passage of scripture, even in all the, that they're trying to do against God, Okay, they're trying to work against God in this whole thing. Even in all of that, what do they end up doing? They end up fulfilling a very difficult Old Testament prophecy. Which is another side note. You cannot defeat the work of God. He's going to do his work and you cannot defeat it. In this sad portion of scripture, we've already mentioned enough side truths to justify the message. But none of those things are what we're actually after this morning because all that is is incidental to where we're really going. Look at verse number 9. This is our text verse, number 9 and 10. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. This Old Testament prophecy, which is found strangely enough in the book of Zechariah, uh, it puts the value that was going to be placed on the Lord at 30 pieces of silver. The value placed on Jesus Christ was 30 pieces pieces of silver. The title of this message this morning is The Value of Christ. The Value of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. We ask that you would energize us this morning, that we might 
both speak and hear the words of the Spirit, that he would speak clearly in our hearts, drawing us to yourself. Please, dear Father, the Lord has already purchased what we need, and we do not want to fall short of what we have in Christ. And we ask this in his precious holy name. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. Before we get into the real meat of this message, let's think about the bartering that takes place between Judas and the rulers of Israel. Now take a step back. You've got to think of the big picture here. We are dealing with the Messiah. Okay, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. In the Old Testament, that's what the Jews were looking for. They were looking for the Messiah. The Messiah was going to come. And what is he going to do for Israel? He's going to remove them from captivity and restore the glory days of Israel. So how much, what would be the value to an Israeli of the Messiah? Well, let's put it into our day's perspective. If I could stand up here today and say, look, I know of a political candidate who, when we put him in office, he will restore the foundations that this country was built on with our forefathers. He would undo all the evil and wicked things that are taking place, and he will put us back where we need to be. I can guarantee it. <laughs> How much money could I raise in this little auditorium right now? I could raise, if I could guarantee that, I could raise $100,000 in this auditorium without any questions asked. Why? Because we'd say, that would be valuable. Now, if we took that, and I could take that to the country and say, look, we can go back, you give, how much would that be worth to this country? And I could raise, if I could guarantee that, I could raise $100 billion without even batting an eye to make that happen, if I could guarantee it. Because we would value someone who could do that, right? The Jews are looking for the Messiah. He's going to do, in their mind, he's going to do that. So how valuable is he? The problem is that he did not come the way that they were expecting. And the chief priests had already rejected the fact that he cannot be the Messiah. He is the Messiah. But they had rejected that fact. And so what value did they put on him? The price of a slave or a servant who is accidentally killed. 30 pieces of silver. Israel valued, these rulers of Israel valued the Messiah at 30 pieces of silver. You think, man, that was a mistake. That was a terrible undervaluation of the Messiah. The Greeks and Romans may have valued a Messiah with very little value, but the Israelis, he was going to bring their glory days back. 
You know, people often undervalue what they have. I watched a video the other day. I say the other day, it's probably been five years ago now. <laughs> How many people do that? The other day. Everything the other day is what it was. It's not today, and it wasn't yesterday, so it was the other day. Because it's hard to remember how far back things go. But anyway, I was watching this video. This guy went into an antique store, and he bought a photograph that he thought was cool. When he gets at home, he starts doing some research on this photograph, and they, he got it for 10 bucks, or give or take. And when he got at home, they realized that this was one of the last photographs ever taken of some famous gunfighter, bad guy in the Old West, some outlaw in the Old West. And when the making of the video, the, the offer that had been offered so far for this picture was $6 million. How would you like to have been the guy in the antique store who sold it for 10 bucks? You're like, no, okay. He had something that he didn't think it had value. And he sold it out for 10 bucks when it was worth $6 million. He undervalued what he had. No, if you watch these kinds of things, it happens all the time. People sell stuff at their garage sales for a couple of bucks, and it ends up being a painting, you know, some Rembrandt or something that their aunt had that they didn't realize. It happens all the time. People undervalue what they have. And we, as God's people, have a tendency to do these things. It is impossible for us to properly value the person of Jesus Christ. Our minds just cannot get it wrapped, uh, wrapped around what his true value is. But we're going to try to take a, a whack at it here this morning. We're going to try to at least get our mind going in that direction. I heard recently of a man who was teaching from new truths from the scriptures. And those truths that he's teaching was diminishing the person of Jesus Christ and his value and his work. My friend, don't fall for any of that kind of garbage. Anything that diminishes the person of Jesus Christ is garbage. And reject that and run from it as fast as you possibly can. The Bible never, ever diminishes the person of Jesus Christ. We can't get our mind to wrap around the true value, but we should never except anything that diminishes the person of Jesus Christ. What is the true value of Christ? Well, number one, Christ has intrinsic value. Christ has intrinsic value. He has the value within himself because of who he is. Now get your mind to wrap around this. If the world had never been created... If the Bible had never been written, if Christ had never come and died on the cross, if nothing that we are ever, that we are aware of was ever actually existed, if none of that happened, Christ would still be valuable beyond our ability to comprehend. Because Jesus Christ is God. He was in the beginning with, with the Father. He was one with the Father. He is God, a very God. And he has a, as God, he has a value beyond our comprehension. What value would you put on God? If you had to put a price tag on it, how much is God worth intrinsically? And your mind says, 
I just can't do that. It won't go there. I can't make it make that happen. That is exactly right. And Jesus Christ is God. He has intrinsic value. He is God. Number two, he has positional value. Jesus Christ has intrinsic value because he's God, but he has positional value. Try to make you think this morning. What is the relationship between the stars, the planets, and planet Earth and Jesus Christ? What is the relationship between those two, the stars, the planets, and the Earth, and the Lord Jesus? What is the relationship between those two? This is not very difficult to come up with because Jesus Christ, according to John 1, 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. The relationship between Jesus Christ and all the planets and the stars and the earth, he is the creator. Okay, well that puts a pretty high premium on his value to us. Because everything that we know was created by him. But it's more than that. Because Colossians, the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1 that we just read, 16, goes on to say in verse number 16, in 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, what does it mean to consist? We would may, may say subsist or held together. By him, all things are held together. They keep moving together, working together, because he's holding them together. Okay, so what value does that give us in the person of Jesus Christ? What value does he have to us? Well, your very existence depends upon him. Everything that you know depends upon him. If he would cease to do what he's doing, guess what? Everything would come apart at the seams. Everything you would know, your very existence depends on him. That's the relationship. He has positional value to us. He has intrinsic value. He's God, but he has positional value. He is the creator and sustainer of everything, including us and all that we know. He has positional value. Number three, his work is valuable. I told my Sunday school class I was sick. It's been almost 10 days ago now. It was a very, what I'll say, blessed time. I don't enjoy being incapacitated, but I spent some very good time with the Lord, and it was a very profitable time for me with the Lord. And I made some notations on this particular subject, fully expecting to speak on it down the road. And lo and behold, Tim this week sent me a text message of an excerpt of a book that he is reading um, that fit right in with this. And I still got a lot more that I want to chew through in all of this. But let's talk about it now. 
when Adam sinned in the garden. Fellowship between God and man was made impossible. When man sinned in the garden, fellowship between God and man was made impossible. God is perfect and holy, and man was now the exact opposite of that. There can be no fellowship, there can be no agreement, there can be no meeting in the middle, there can be no talking things through, there can be no reconciliation, there can be no working off of the debt. Fellowship and communion is completely impossible at this moment because of that, because of the sin. Let's see if we can get our handle on this, the impossible situation. When I was younger... I was working for, at one point, for Johnny Weaver. They were remodeling for some rich people on the west side, a huge house, and they were doing some remodeling there. And so they hired me to do some roofing, some shake, they call it shake job, it's it's wooden shingles. They they hired me to, to do the shakes on the thing. And these rich people had this glass round atrium, an entryway. The thing was, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 feet in diameter, all glass, two stories, all glass. And inside this were Chinese oriental vases, some of them five, six feet tall, some little ones and some big ones. And they were on pedestals as they, they went in a circle around this atrium, because all glass, so from the outside you could see these vases like that going up around this thing. Well, Johnny was, they were in his way, so he's sliding them back and forth. Well, come to find out, the cheapest one in there was $50,000. The total was a cool $3.2 million. That's what we were working around. I was up on the roof, thank the Lord. He was in there sliding these things around and just doing his construction around $3.2 million worth of oriental vases that were set up like dominoes, by the way. Now, suppose that on break, I got tired of in, in the sun, and so I went down there, and I will say these people were irritating to work for, not Johnny, the, 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 the rich people. And suppose I got irritated, and so I just wanted to see what these things would do. And so I pushed the top one. Dink. Ding, 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 Okay? And we have now on the ground $3.2 million worth of shards. We didn't carry insurance for that kind of stuff. Now, what will my relationship be like with the homeowner? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of problems going on here. But what will it be? What... What cool thing will I be able to say that's going to make this all go away? What checkbook am I going to pull out and say, here we go. Here's the title to my Volkswagen Rabbit. If I say, look, I, I, I know I broke them, I'll pay. And so you have to understand that back in the day we were making about 7 or 8 $9 an hour. How long does it take to pay off $3.2 million at $8 an hour? Just so you know, you can't pay the interest on $3.2 million at $8 an hour. So I say, I'll pay the debt. You know what? I did it on purpose. He knows I did it on purpose, and we are at a total impasse here. The only thing that there is for me is jail. 
That's the only thing there is for me. I intentionally damage property, and the only answer to this is jail. Now, we sometimes fudge things back and forth because we're all human beings and we know we make mistakes, and so we're sometimes lenient, but not with God. He is perfect, and so justice always has to be perfect. And therefore, you are at an impasse in your sin. When Adam sinned in the garden, there was no possible fellowship. There was no possible communion. There was no fixing this situation. It's going down, and it's going down badly, and that's all there is to it. Except for the mediator, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, in his mediating work, not only satisfies the law, not only pays the debt, but works out and becomes the communicator in his incarnation. This is something that we need to discuss in a greater way. But his incarnation allows the communication also to be possible. And his death, burial, and resurrection solidifies the deal. And because of the great mediator, we have eternity in heaven. So when I ask you, what is the value of Jesus Christ? You must say, wow, without him, I have no fellowship, no possible way to be back with God. My eternity is sealed for good or bad, depending upon the person of the Lord Jesus. What is the value of Christ? Well, intrinsically, he has value because he's God. Positionally, he has value because he's not only our creator, but he is our sustainer. And his work has value to us because without him, we have no hope of heaven. Our relationship between us and God is at an impossible situation apart from the mediator. Number four, what is the value of Christ? His provision has value. His provision has value. As a creator, we owe our very existence to him. As our mediator, we owe our eternal destiny to him. But what about right now? What does Christ mean to us right now? Sure, our hope of heaven is in him and our future is secure. But what value does Christ have to us at this moment? And my friend, the value to you at this moment is inestimable. Romans 8.32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Paul calls it in Ephesians 3.8, The unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. In Christ we find everything that we need for this life. Not just to exist, but to abound. Not just to make it through the day, but to live as God intended for us to live. In Christ, these things are found. You're not this stupid, are you? Sorry, that's maybe I should. You're not this foolish. Stupid's a better word. You don't actually think that you can find anything within yourself to please God, do you? 
You're not that foolish, are you? They're not that stupid to think that within yourself you can find something that will please God. Within yourself you can do something that will say, make God say, wow, well done. You're not that foolish, are you? But do you not want to live pleasing to God? Do you not have needs to make it through this life the way that God intended for you to live? How are you to do that? My friend, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not found in you. It is found in Christ. You are provided all things for life and godliness. This is another thing that I have already been making notes on, and I expect it to be a series of lessons in the near future. What do we have in Christ? What are these unsearchable riches? Let me give you the short and definitely not complete list, but it looks something like this. Christ provides love and peace and joy and our daily needs and patience and gentleness and wisdom and direction and contentment and humility. And the list goes on and on and on. These things are absolutely necessary for proper life on this planet. Where do you expect to get them from? From the actions of your own brain? From the works of your own hands? from the thoughts of your own mind, for the emotions that you can conjure up, you must have them to live properly on this planet. And the only place to get them is from Jesus Christ. And he gives them freely. Now what is that worth to you? The fact that everything necessary for life and godliness on this planet is freely given to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Now what value do you put on that? Christ has value. He intrinsically has value because he is God. He has positional value because he's creator and sustainer. His work has value because he's the mediator. He brings us back to God. His provision has value. All that we need for life and godliness is found in him. And number five, he has personal value. He, he is of personal value. Let's see if I can get a handle, we can get a handle on this. Suppose you had a rich uncle. Never met him, but somewhere in the, in the whole spectrum of your family, you've got this rich uncle. And one day you get in a letter from an attorney that says... Your rich uncle has decided to take care of you. And so this attorney buys you a house. He gives you a, a, an allowance. He takes care of all of your bills. And every single thing that you need, whenever you have any trouble at all, this attorney takes care of it because your rich uncle has paid him to do so. And so for 30 or 40 years, Every need that you have is taken care of. You have all the money that you need and everything. You never see your uncle, but his attorney handles all of this. What are your thoughts on this after 30 or 40 years? It makes your brain kind of think a little bit, doesn't it? Are you glad to have all the free stuff? Well, yeah, sure, a free house, free, uh, you're glad to have this guy take it. But doesn't something seem to be missing? You say, wait a second, I, it's all great, the stuff, but 
shouldn't I see my uncle at least? Shouldn't he actually communicate with me? Shouldn't there be some, shouldn't there be some kind of love or something involved in all of this? Do you understand that? You'd get all said and done, you'd have everything you had, and you'd say, something's still missing here. Even though he did all this for me, there's something still missing. Because love is part of the, should be part of the equation. And love would be what would make that situation actually have great meaning. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ does. He provides everything that you need. He is your mediator. He, your very life comes from him. But all of it, every single part of it is done by him in love. It's personal. And that in and of itself has great value because it's personal. He does all that he does out of love for you. What value can you put on that? The fact that Jesus Christ loves you as the Father loves him. What value do we put on Christ? He has intrinsic value because he is God. He has positional value because he's the creator and your sustainer. His work has value because he's the mediator between you and God. He brings the two of you back together. His provision has value because everything that you need is provided in him. And is, it's personal and it has value. Everything is done in love. Judas Iscariot and the chief priest bartered back and forth and settled on the fact that the Lord Jesus was worth 30 pieces of silver. The price if somebody accidentally got killed. I trust that this morning you are not so foolish to think that kind of value. I trust that this morning you understand the true value of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.